listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. Hi, it's Jeff, the pedal part of Rattle and Pedal. Jason Malecki is not with us today. He is still recovering from his successful profiting from Thought Leadership Conference that he does with Bobby Day at Bloom Group. So today we're going to mix things up. I have invited a very good friend of mine, former Anderson colleague and wicked smart marketer, Andy Bosman, to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is the intersection of strategy, leadership, and culture, and how when an organization gets those right, growth is the result. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Jeff. How are you today? I am doing well. So I know you really well from our Anderson days, but there may be people listening that don't know the famous Andy Bosman. Introduce yourself. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, so Andy Bosman, I'm currently the chief marketing officer of RSM, professional service junkie. Had the privilege of working with Jeff and Anderson for many years, went from there to another professional service organization for 11 years where I was chief marketing officer as well as chief administrative officer and have had the distinct pleasure over the last nearly five years now of working with RSM. So you're a professional services junkie, but this is your default career choice, I'm pretty sure. Because you really wanted to be a professional golfer. No, I did. And it didn't work. It didn't work. (laughs) I did learn recently, Jeff, I'm better on the other side of the bag when I'm caddying than when I'm actually swinging the golf club. So that may may be my next career move here. I saw that. Tell me and the listeners a little bit about that, because that was really fun to see. Oh, it's, I mean, one of the great parts about what we do here at RSM is we're involved with the RSM Classic, which is a PGA Tour event the week before Thanksgiving at Sea Island, Georgia. And we do that in coordination with the Davis Love Foundation and, and have an opportunity every year to be associated with Davis Love, Zach Johnson, Chris DeMarco, Chris Kirk, and Drew Love, Davis's son. It was great. We were down at Sea Island a couple of weeks ago to announce a new charity program tied to the tournament. And part of that, did a little Facebook Live event with the PGA Tour where we were featuring Davis uh, talking about one of the holes on Seaside. And I laughed with him and said, hey, we always talk about the caddy player relationship. I got you covered. So I put on my caddy bib and picked up that incredibly heavy bag and a little caddying for Davis, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) I hope you gave him good counsel. (laughs) I stay very quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope maybe he gave you a couple of pointers to take a few strokes off your game. He's trying. He's trying. All right. So people may not know who RSM is. So why don't you give us just a quick synopsis of RSM? When I think about RSM, from a technical standpoint, we're a global audit tax and consulting firm. And so globally, we're in 120 countries a little over 30,000 employees, a little over $4.5 billion in revenue. But what's more important when we talk about RSM is we are the first choice advisor to middle market leaders globally. And when we think about our organization, it's less about the technical aspects of what we do. And it's really more about our commitment to the middle market and being involved with middle market organizations, both within countries where we have offices, as well as multinational organizations. And to really help them think about the topics and the issues, whether it's market, whether it's industry, whether it's economic, 
How is it impacting middle market organizations and how can they be both responding to them as well as proactively looking forward to things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and automation and thinking about how to continue to grow their business, how to continue to move it forward in a way that's really true to their culture, to their strategy and to their long-term objective. That's a little bit about who we are. Excellent. And I want to come back to your focus on the middle market Mm -hmm. a little bit later, because you know that's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. When we met at Anderson, I was the head of their middle market practice and came out of a family business that was middle market as well. So it's near and dear to me. And I think a lot of firms that focus on that middle market don't get it right. And I want to talk about that more in depth. But first, I want to get to the higher level topic that we're talking today. And that's the getting the strategy and leadership and culture aligned in order to produce growth. So I've written, I guess I should say, multiple white papers on this topic. But the most recent one was called the BS of PS, Overcoming Dysfunctional Roadblocks to Growth and Building a Legacy in Professional Services Firms. And you've worked with some impeccable firms. You've seen very different cultures and strategies and approaches. And just given their matrix structures, their incentives, partnerships, professional services are really, really hard to align internally and to get an organization pointing in the right direction. And I talk quite a bit about that in the BS of PS and the 20 biggest mistakes that professional services firms make around brand. I want to get your thoughts on that. You've been with Anderson. You've been with a couple of other firms. How has that brought you to where you are and where RSM is aligning their strategy, leadership, and culture? You know, I think, as you know, Jeff, matrix organizations are incredibly complex. And when you add in there that we're a partnership and, you know, from an RSM standpoint here in the U.S., we have over 850 owners. And when you think about owners and their innovative spirit and their entrepreneurialism and how they focus, you know, you get you get a lot of chiefs, you get a lot of folks that want to go a lot of different directions, all committed to the same end game, hopefully, but you pull <laughs> a lot of different directions. And, you know, I say hopefully because that really is the critical piece to, I think, what is making RSM so successful right now is everything has to start with what you referred to earlier. It's got to start with a crystal clear strategy with a strong leadership, passion, and commitment to that strategy that permeates the firm, and then a culture that drives that entrepreneurialism, that supports that innovation, but also has the right level of accountability so that everyone is driving towards that common vision. Because when we're all making decisions and we're all doing things that support a common strategy, you move forward with tremendous force. When you spread that out, Broadly, you can end up going a lot of different directions. And by the end of the year, you find out you actually didn't go forward. You just went wide. And that's not going to drive success for the long term. And and again, particularly in professional service firms, that ability to drive through strategy, leadership and culture, it's absolutely vital. It just is. And I'm amazed that more firms don't see it. And maybe they do see it. They just don't know how to execute 
against it. And I think that's why there's so often an emphasis on brand and particularly an umbrella brand that appeases all of those chiefs, as you mentioned, and just gives them kind of air cover to go do whatever it is they want to do. And that is not an effective way to align culture and strategy and growth. I think they understand what they need to do. But, you know, guys, whether you're in a public environment where a lot of your decisions are being driven by quarterly earnings and expectations of analysts who are looking at you in three-month snapshots, whether it's, you know, your partnerships where, you know, what is your focus? Are you building a legacy? Are you building an organization that is going to be successful 15 to 20 plus years from now, and you recognize highs and lows and you're committed to supporting those? Or is it a partnership where your partners are looking out year to year and what is partner income? How is that growing? And that's your ultimate measure of success. And and when financial metrics are the number one, two, and three drivers, it makes performance and uh, culture around some of these other things a lot more difficult. So talk to me a little bit about how RSM defines those terms, strategy, leadership, and culture? Yeah, I, I mean, for us, when we talk about our strategy, we have a, a very clearly articulated vision, which is to be the first choice advisor to middle market leaders globally, and to demonstrate that through the power of being understood and everything that we do with our clients, with our colleagues, and in our communities. And so our strategy around that has been clearly articulated for almost 10 years now. Uh, with no wavering. And that is really four areas that we have to focus on year over year. And one is to make sure that we are delivering on the RSM client experience, which is our brand promise of the power being understood. Two is that we maintain a strong and passionate commitment to the middle market. And in many ways, that is a barometer for what we do and what we don't do. And it's easy not to do the bad ideas. But it's really hard not to do good ideas. But staying committed to the middle market and what that means to our clients and our organization. It's about empowering passionate and innovative teams. And how do we do that in a way that ties to points one and two, which is the middle market and delivering on the client experience. And then four is making sure that we cultivate RSM promoters, whether they're our clients, whether they're our current colleagues, former colleagues, the centers of influence, that we have folks that are promoting us because of three things that we were noted above, our client experience, our passionate teams, and our commitment to the middle market. And so for us, when we talk about strategy, you know, that's our strategy. What we don't talk about is our strategy is to achieve X revenue. We talk about our strategy and delivering on those areas. And then to us, leadership, you know, leadership is, we've got a, a partner in Dallas, actually, who says, lead where you are. Every single employee in our firm is a leader, but you have to lead where you are, whether you're a new associate, whether you're a seven to 10 year experienced professional, whether you're a partner in the firm or a member of our leadership team, lead where you are. And to us, leadership is passionately demonstrating our commitment to those four areas of strategic focus. It's delivering on our values every day. It's thinking about the power of being understood. It's holding ourselves accountable to the right behaviors that drive those strategies. And frankly, it's creating the pathway for all of our employees to move forward with momentum to help meet the goals of our clients as well as our personal goals. And then the culture is, it's a culture of accountability. How do we work? How do we work together? How do we collaborate? How do we treat our clients? How do we treat each other? How do we hold ourselves accountable to that? And how do we ensure that that culture creates the right environment 
for our clients as well as for our employees. And by doing all of that, I mean, I'm not going to say we don't have forecast. We don't have annual goals. We don't have aspirations for where we'd like to see the firm grow from a revenue and a profitability standpoint. But that is an outcome of doing those other three things right. And, you know, our organization over the last eight years has really been focused on that. And I think we've seen, you know, tremendous results through that, whether it was through some of the tougher economic times in 2008, 2009, or whether it's in the current high growth environment. That is incredibly unique. And I think it, it, it bears repeating. You have no annual numbers that your practices are tasked with hitting. Their focus is on performance measures associated with the other attributes. And your expectation is growth will come and a healthy amount of growth will come as a result. It, it is. And, and the way we look at it, Jeff, I mean, I don't want to sound like we're, we're loosey-goosey here, but... Certainly each of our practices, whether it's our line of business or our regions, we have forecasts. You know, in my world, in my IMC mm-hmm. world, I have forecasts. And we have financial calls at leadership team level, and we look at how we're doing relative to forecast. But the, the two numbers that are really what we focus on is how are we doing as a firm, one firm, on our growth, and how are we doing as one firm on the growth of our profitability? And... We don't look at it and admonish regions or line of businesses or industries based on their individual. It's based on overall firm performance, and we invest in some areas. And we have other areas that, you know, are growing full speed, and we just continue to leverage that. And, it, and it's the right mix, and it's that culture of we all grow as the firm grows. And if we stay focused on our strategy, if we make the right investments, if we're committed as a partnership, Right. You know, when the water rises, all boats float. And that's kind of what we focus on is we'll go together. So we, we really don't. We have all partner calls. We spend very limited, limited time talking about financial results. And it's usually not you didn't do this. So here's your punishment. It's, hey, guys, you, you, we're seeing things a little different from your forecast. What's going on in the business and how can we help? And it drives a lot of collaboration and support because of that. That's refreshing. That is really refreshing. So. As you're looking at these non-financial dimensions mixed with financial, I get that. How do you identify misalignments that may exist where you're falling short of who you want to be as a legacy firm? And then how do you go about trimming the sales and getting it back on the course? Yeah, I mean, so we look at a lot of different things. We look at some things that may be considered more traditional. We do voice of client surveys where we go out and speak to our clients on a regular basis. We do post engagement surveys where we're consistently in evaluating how are we delivering on our brand promise? How are we meeting expectations of our clients? Are we spending time with them? Are we, are we helping them think and answering their questions? For our partners, we have a culture dashboard and that culture dashboard has a series of metrics we look at that, you know, Yes, we have pipeline on there. It's interesting, it's pipeline. It's not a rearview mirror financial growth. What does your pipeline look like? How is it trending? But what's the, what is your talent engagement scores? What are you hearing from your employees about their satisfaction? How much are you participating in voice of client surveys? So it's interesting. We don't necessarily, we do feedback the results into partner performance, but the dashboard the OMPs look at, it's, it's not how did you do, it's are you doing them? Are you engaging? Are we are we going out and speaking to our clients and getting that feedback? And, and so we, we look at a lot of those metrics. 
And then we just began to step back and look and see how we're evolving in each of those. Now, certainly when we get to a point where we look and see that maybe the financial growth isn't where we want it, or maybe profitability is getting stressed a little bit because of some additional investments we're making, frankly, it gets elevated to the leadership. And that's where, you know, our leadership team will come together and really talk about, okay, here's where we are. What's the right balance of offense and defense? Uh, what do we need to be doing to focus on it? And oh, by the way, is this okay? Maybe it is a little bit under our expectations, but you know, we're investing in these three areas that are opportunities that came forward and we're okay. And we're okay as a firm if we're a little lighter on profitability this year, because we firmly believe those are the right things to drive the growth for the following years, whether it's technology investment, whether it's brand investment, whether it's new performance management or learning and development programs. So we're constantly looking at that. But again, I'll come back to if a practice is having trouble and they're struggling, either because the market has changed or maybe we haven't quite hit it in the right way. The first question is, how can we help? What's some of the underlying drivers of that? Could we be learning from other groups that have approached similar challenges and how they've addressed it? And do we need to get some resources over to you? Or if your market is softened, could we take some of your existing resources and allocate them to other practices for a little while where we have needs? And if your practice comes back up, we'll shift those resources around. It's not the instinctual behavior I've seen in a lot of firms, which is, oh gosh, our practice, our market has slowed down. We got to cut people fast mm-hmm. to maintain margin. It's not where mm-hmm. our head comes first. That is unique in my experience. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I want to take a step back and I want to ask you about the positioning of the firm and the strategy that you've you've chosen. The first one is the focus on the middle market. Well, I think these two are linked very closely. The first one is the focus on the middle market. I don't know how many times I've seen strategy reports come out from firms, you know, that do nothing but strategy and we know those those names. And the strategies are always sell more of what you have to the existing clients and then move into the untapped middle market. And the middle market is this nebulous panacea, I think, oftentimes to to firms that, oh, it's underserved because they don't buy as much, but, you know, we need to go after it because there's a growth opportunity there. Tell me a little bit about how RSM defines the middle market and what that means. Yeah, happy to, Jeff. So that, I love that conversation because someone will immediately go, so, so what revenues are a middle market firm? And I go, well, gosh, I really don't care. But, I mean, if you go back and look at different research and different organizations, you typically see the middle market referred to as $50 million to a billion. But the reality is if you go to China, what is more that middle market is a very different revenue band. It's very different in Germany. So what we try to do is not necessarily refer to, well, organizations that drive this amount of revenue or middle market. It really has more to do with some core attributes. So when we look at what we refer to as middle market firms, they're typically 
private, although not always. There are a lot of public middle market firms, but in many cases, they have grown more through the private model. But they're high growth. They're innovative. They're extremely entrepreneurial. They're on the cutting edge of a lot of things that are going on in their business. And the key thing about them, though, is their growth is accelerating faster than their organization is maybe Mm. built to manage. And they're looking for someone to come in and really be an advisor to work with them to think about the long-term elements of their business. So short-term, maybe it is IT systems and other infrastructure they need. But longer term, it's how do they continue to differentiate? How do they continue to position themselves in the marketplace so that they can meet their long-term objectives and goals and grow? But they need someone to really partner up with to help them do it because they're, they're not in a position where they're just going to go hire the and build the infrastructure internally to do a lot of these things. And that is a very consistent definition, no matter where in the world we look. And it's interesting because, you know, yes, you'll read a lot that says, well, you know, that's an unmined area. It's not an unmined area. It's an Mm. underserved area. And the biggest thing we see as an organization, it was interesting to date or so. Well, let me talk current. Actually, I was going to talk about Affordable Care Act, but let's talk about unemployment and where we sit with the unemployment rates right now. Basically, in the U.S., we're at zero. The number's fluctuating 1.9, 2.2 in that area, but the reality is you've got around 2% of the American public that's not going to work. They're either not in a position to work, they don't want to work, whatever it may be. So for all intents and purposes, we're at close to, if not 0% unemployment. And we all see that. The competition for talent is fierce. As that competition for talent increases, as we all know, the cost of that talent also increases. And you see a lot of organizations talking about that. How do you compete for talent? How do you get the right talent in your door, right? How do you make sure you got the right economic incentive packages in place? All extremely important. And if you're a Fortune 500, you can react and address a lot of those things from a financial standpoint. Here's a problem for the middle market. They run tight. They run on tighter margins. They aren't necessarily sitting on a cash trove because they've been investing in their business And so that's much more of a stressful situation for them. How are they going to deal with that? How are they going to approach it? And by the way, the help they need is very different. But very few, if any, organizations outside of ours talk to the middle market about what these issues mean. How is it impacting their business? How is it different? And how can we help you address it in a way that's relevant to what you're trying to do versus just say, hey, you're going to have to go spend more. You're going to have to put some new talent management systems in place. You're going to need some new incentive packages. And, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, that's going to create 5% additional margin pressure on it. But if you don't do this, you're not going to win. Well, no, that, how do we help you free up that cash to maintain your profitability and drive to that at the same time? That is a phenomenal explanation in my years of understanding the middle market. I feel like you've nailed it. And most firms look at the middle market as kind of mini-me Fortune 500 companies, and they just aren't. And firms want to bring in skinny-down solutions and just kind of plug-and-play and go. And the way you describe that really illustrates the second attribute that RSM is positioning around and this power of being understood. Almost every brand study I've ever done over my career, clients and prospects always say, I want my partner, my trusted advisor, my vendors to understand our business, our industry, my role, me as a person. And you could throw that out as a platitude or a 
tagline very easily, just draw it out of, you know, some, some market research and say, oh yeah, we do that. But your description right there really brings us full circle about how you align strategy and leadership and, and culture to go after that market. I just thought you did a phenomenal job there, Andy. If I asked anybody else at RSM, would I get a very similar answer? Yes. And I, I, I'll tell you, it, my great story, Jeff, is when I, when I was interviewing with RSM, it was a great process and actually several sessions where I went through group interviews with a number of partners interviewing me. And I literally, after I walked out of the second one, I went, my God, is this place for real? Is the strategy really this consistently ingrained across the partners? Or are they all brainwashed? And they're reading off a play script. And when I get in here, I'm going to find that's not the case. I got to tell you, it's even more the case than I ever expected. Our partners get it. And yes, we, like any organization, you're constantly evolving. You're constantly educating. As you grow, you're bringing others into your culture and how that works. But that commitment to the middle market is not only understood, it's understood what it means. Because if, if you're going to deliver on that commitment to the middle market, it means you're going to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with your client. It means you're going to take a little extra time to understand and to dig deep. And that means you're also not charging them every single minute you're having a phone conversation with them. So when you look at it, it puts pressure on your metrics. And when you've got a culture and leadership that understands that, and when builds performance measurement metrics and other things in place that allow for that and don't create this pressure of, oh, my gosh, I can't go have lunch and spend time with that client because I matter to make sure we've got these billable hours in there or that we're hitting certain utilization rates. That's where that stress and tension comes in. And, you know, and what's great to me is I, I wish I could say I was a genius behind the power being understood. I, it was not. I had, I inherited it. When I came in, but that started with the evolution of our organization when in 2010, our audit, tax, and consulting practices came back together after a few years apart um, through some different business strategies with a strong commitment to the middle market and to working with our clients and to being understood with our employees. And it really drove the strategy of the firm and the leadership's passion All we do every day is shine a flashlight on it. It, I love doing it because my brand is so true. It's not something I have to go out there and try to convince anyone that's who we are. We say and clients go, oh, you're darn right. And let me give you an example of that. That's fantastic. Uh, But it really does permeate the culture and it permeates really our commitment to everything we do. Yeah, that's a sea change. I, I think many of the firms that say they serve the middle market do so because it's a default market position for them, particularly in accounting space. Right. It's kind of the crumbs of the big four and firms are, are willing to serve those clients. But as soon as a fortune 500 company sends them an RFP, they forget about the middle market and try to go win that, you know, bigger account upstream. And I think that's a fatal flaw of those strategies is they don't stay focused and their clients and prospects can see that. They know that, hey, as soon as somebody bigger comes calling, you're going to forget about me. I agree. And it's something we're very focused on, that we have that passion and commitment for our clients and that that we deliver all that every day. I can't think of a better place to stop than right there. (laughs) Andy, this has been fascinating. All this hard-won knowledge over the years of at these other firms really is 
coming to a head here. And you say, you know, it's it's not just you. This is not a marketing campaign. This is the culture of the firm. But it is really, really refreshing to to see this. I'm really excited for you and for RSM. No, I appreciate it. And, and you can see why I tell you I have fun every day. I love going to work. I love what we're focusing on. I love my colleagues. You know, I love the other organizations I've worked in as well. But there's something really special here. And I'm just I'm honored to have an opportunity to be part of the organization. Plus, you get to be a caddy. It's the best of both worlds. I tell you what, here we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.